Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway. Nashville, 6th and Peabody, our location. Glad you're with us across the OutKick network. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Yeehaw beer, old smoky moonshine making it happen. Plenty to come on deck. We've got Bobby Carpenter in 20 minutes. All things college football. We'll talk some NFL as well with the former Buckeye and Cowboy. Uh, a bit later in the program, in studio with us, Shannon Terry, the founder and CEO of On3 Sports. He'll be here with us here at 6th and Peabody. And Aaron Murray, former Georgia Bulldog quarterback. He joins us in two hours from right now. And we'll chat all things quarterback play across the SEC and the NFL draft. And uh, we'll preview the college football playoff and the matchups between Georgia and Ohio State, TCU and Michigan. And later in the show, Clay Travis joins us from his beach home. That's confirmed. He'll be calling in. Never uh, a day off for Clay. Which, which beach home would be the well, question? That's a good, we'll ask him. We'll ask him which I home. I feel like he, uh, I think, we'll get to the bottom of it. They had the one beach home. And they were renting it out for a while. Yeah. I think they've sold that beach home, and I know they went bigger with a new beach home. Uh, I'm trying to say how many times I can say beach home in one presentation. <laughs> and now they're in that new beach home, but he did take a private jet down to Florida. So yes, he did. looking forward to talking to Clay a little bit later. That'll be fun. Um, and we will, uh, of course, hit all the news and notes. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Yeah, good to, to have back. you back uh, here. Shout out to Armando for, for holding it down in the seat yesterday. Did a great job. Um, and he's been busy at OutKick today, uh, as we've all been reading the headlines, the stories, the tweets, uh, in regards to the passing of Pro Football Hall of Fame legend uh, Franco Harris. Steelers legend uh, announced this morning, passed away uh, in his, uh, late last night at the age of 72, one of the all-time greats, four-time Super Bowl champion, and was set to be inducted into the Steelers' Ring of Honor this weekend because it's the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception and the Steelers and Raiders are playing on Christmas. And when I saw them, I'm like, well, he's not in the, the Steelers' ring of honor. They haven't retired his number yet. And they, they hadn't, the jersey. They were going to this weekend. And the timing of this is awful uh, for, for such, such a football legend, but also a great human being. Uh, and the little time, Chad, that you and I had to interact with him, anytime we were at the Super Bowl, NFL draft, um, the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame with a few shows we've done there in Canton, he is one of the nicest people we've ever come across uh, in regards to football, life, storytelling, all of it. Uh, took a, a ton of time um, out of his day to always be with us for no good reason, quite frankly. And it, uh, we've seen a lot of those stories today, too. Yeah, we, we've always, seemingly, we're, they're always, uh, on Super Bowl Radio Row, we've interviewed him and Rocky Blyer yeah. on the same day uh, from those great Pittsburgh Steelers teams. And you know, uh, Franco Harris is just a name that's so synonymous with that terrific organization and synonymous, obviously, with the Immaculate Reception, one of the all-time, if not the all-time, biggest play in NFL lore, NFL history. 
really sad news. Only 72 years old uh, with Franco Harris passing away. And I saw over the weekend all those games on NFL Network, they were hyping up A Football Life, which is a great documentary series, on Franco Harris. And my first reaction, Hutton, same to you with the Ring of Honor, I was shocked they didn't already have a football yeah. life on Franco Harris. They were building up to this. When I saw that, but they were talking about the debut of, of football life with Franco Harris, building up to the 50th anniversary of, of the Immaculate Reception. Really, really sad day um, yeah. across football with this news. Nine Pro Bowls in 13 seasons, over 12,000 rushing yards for a career that's 15th all-time. Um, again, four-time Super Bowl champ, and one of those was Super Bowl MVP. And in terms of Super Bowl lore, not only do we, we know about the Immaculate Reception and, and it, the, the play itself, but also in Super Bowls, he's the all-time leading rusher for, for those games. And uh, he had uh, over 1,000 rushing yards in 12 games across four Super Bowl runs uh, throughout the playoffs in the, the mid-70s uh, and then the late 70s. And he was a rookie when he made the play, the Immaculate Reception. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. Um, no, it's... Uh I mean, I, I was just going through in my mind uh, famous Steelers. You know, guys, you just say their name and you immediately think about the, the, that organization. I think of, you know, Terry Bradshaw and then, you know, Lynn Swan. But yeah. Franco Harris is right there towards the top uh, of all-time Pittsburgh Steelers. Really sad story. So this was yesterday. that They're with the Steelers and with the Pro Football Hall of Fame in conjunction with the NFL Network. Uh, they're doing a lot of features on the Immaculate Reception, but, but of course, with with the the Steelers and Raiders playing uh, on Christmas. Uh, this was yesterday uh, with what was uh, posted when Franco Harris was discussing the Immaculate Reception. It's so nice to have you here with us live on PTL. Did you ever think back then on that day, 50 years ago, that that play and your catch would be arguably one of the greatest plays in the Steelers and NFL history? Never my wildest imagination, but it does feel so good 50 years later that we're still talking about it. But it really shows and, you know, brings focus to the great team that we had, great players that we had and how everything came together. Yeah, and the timing of this, you know, with everything they're doing there with in Pittsburgh and uh, with Canton coming in, and they're going to you know be there for to document all of this. Uh, it's never a great time to to have this news come across, but it just sucks. Yeah, especially for what you're saying there, and, and seeing him in that video, thinking you know this was uh, this was yesterday. Life is short. Yeah, you, you never know. Uh, you know, you're getting ready for a huge celebration. The, of the biggest moment in your professional football life, and then you're gone the, the next day. So, I mean, I think a good reminder to everyone, but truly sad story. And Franco Harris Hutton, you said it, but having a chance to meet a guy like him, very young in the business, mm -hmm. and interview him, I mean, that's that's legendary status. I think of him alongside you know meeting Joe Namath or Joe Montana, sure, yes. from an even you know later era than those guys, but. When you get around players like that, there is an aura about them that you really cannot define. It's difficult to describe. Franco Harris has that aura about him, had that aura about him. Uh, terrific. It's a, it's a huge loss for the NFL and for the Pittsburgh Steelers family. Several quotes uh, emailed out, put out on, on social media from the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but Mike Tomlin, head coach of the Steelers, put things in perspective on the man and the player, Franco Harris. He's just a special man. Um, forget the player. 
Um, obviously, I never knew the player. I know the man. And um, just what an awesome representation of this, this organization, this community, a guy that embraces um, all the responsibility that comes with being him. Um, I just admire his passion for Pittsburgh and, and, and young people. Um, he served a long time on the board with my wife, Pittsburgh Promise, and his passion for others in this place uh, and the Steelers is unparalleled and it's, it's to be admired. And they'll, I mean, now the Sunday night on Christmas night, this turns into a uh, memorial in many ways, like in, in every way for Franco Harris and, and what he meant to the league, the Steelers. Uh, and how the two brands specifically coincide with one another. When you think of the Steelers, you think of Franco Harris. Yeah, no surprise that Mike Tomlin summed things up very well on Franco yes. Harris, not just talking about the football player, not just talking about the moment, but who he was as a man and his passion for the city of Pittsburgh. Not just the Steelers organization, but how passionate he was in life about Pittsburgh. Really cool. Uh, so now, Chad, do, do we think of the brands of the Mets and Carlos Correa all of a sudden? Because, man, they... They have several of them. They're paying a, nearly a billion dollars in contracts that they've handed out. Steve Cohen, um, since uh, free agency opened, um, they were able to sign these players. And now they get Carlos Correa where it's a, an about face on behalf of the Giants. They sign him to a 13-year, $350 million deal. And then they have reservations based on something medically. He had a back issue, and he's been battling that, but you knew that prior to signing him. So something happened, and at the press conference that was scheduled for yesterday, randomly, they called it off. At the, at the 11th hour, maybe 11th hour, and, and with one minute to go before you walk down the hallway and make this announcement, they called it off. And within a matter of hours, there's a deal done with the Mets, uh, 12 years, $315 million. Since it's National Signing Day around college football, let me tie this into college football. The New York Mets are now essentially the billionaire, drunk, rich booster that started an NIL collective to get players to their school. They're Texas A&M of a year ago. Uh, until yeah. they win a title, they are Texas A&M from last year, and that blew up in their face. Now, what they've done, and here's the numbers. This is from Jeff Passan. The Mets' current payroll is $384 million. The luxury tax payments alone are going to exceed $111 million. That is tax payment back to every other team in the league because they're so far over the luxury tax. Total payroll for this year projects, because they're not done signing people, to be $495 million. The previous max payroll in the history of baseball is less than $350 million. Wow. They are... About $150 million ahead of the all-time biggest payroll in Major League history. They're at almost a half a billion dollars, over $800 million throughout the term of these contracts. But for this year alone, almost a half a billion dollars. Hutton, it is laughable if they don't win a World Series this year. I know. They They have bought and so, paid for a title. This is the route they're going with Cohen. He's, I mean, it's, by the way, that number I saw today, the, what, the, what they're paying, that's about 4.6% of his net worth. That's it. That he's paying in payroll this year. About 4.6%. That's how rich this guy is. That's how rich the Mets are. That's how rich well, Mets fans can feel right now because this is a team that is on a collision course with multiple titles, the way their owner is spending. 
Well, and consider, like with the luxury tax, you, you mentioned it, $495 million. And if you just put that in perspective of the salary caps for other sports, the NFL has a salary cap of $208 million right now. The Mets payroll, including the luxury tax, is four ninety-five. The NHL salary cap, $82.5 million per team. And the NBA with a cap, and again, you, there's another luxury tax on that as well. Uh, NBA salary cap, $123 million. And here's Steve Cohen saying, yeah, uh, we're all in. And you mentioned the percentage of his net worth. I'm assuming the percentage of those owners' net worths across the league would be something, maybe not like that, but close to that, closer to that than the other extreme. And, you know, I think there are a lot of fans that are saying, man, why not us? Why won't our guy do this? Why won't our group do this? Yeah, and then if you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates, the example I always bring up, <laughs> yeah. you're thinking, I mean, what are we doing? Uh, this, is then, not, this is not the same sport. But then there's Atlanta, who homegrown, you re-sign your own, and you get great contracts, and they benefit from that too. Financially responsible in that regard. Um, and same thing for what we're seeing in Houston with the Astros. And keep in mind, the, the Braves won the NL East last year. And that was because of a Mets choke job. They were way ahead at one point in the season. The Braves stormed back and, and took the division. Uh, but then it's the Phillies as the team that's, that's going to the World Series and losing to the Astros. That, I say all this to say that that is a really good division. When you oh. look at Mets, Braves, Phillies now, Phillies adding Trey Turner and others, that is a stacked division. And the talk, the talk almost the, makes you feel bad for the Nationals and the Marlins. Almost, the, the, the I don't talk feel will bad be for the, them, uh, the off season and probably for the vast majority of the regular season, the Mets. You yeah. know, and that's with the Yankees bringing back Judge, but then the postseason happens. And Aaron Judge now the captain of the Yankees the in a press conference with Derek Jeter with the captain. That's yeah. right. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick Three Sixties, where you can follow us. We'll get back to the headlines uh, coming up a bit later when we return. Though we talk college and NFL football. With Bobby Carpenter, he's next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. We're about to be joined by Bobby Carpenter. We'll talk college and NFL headlines 
and big discussion. Uh, Chad, you and I were chatting during the break about national recruiting signing day and the craziness that is name image likeness and comparing like university of Tennessee has got like an orange throne among other things for their sets and their different yeah. pieces for photo ops, right? Uh, props as I call them. And that's, they are, they're props. Yeah. Then you said, Hey, uh, have you seen what Dion's doing? And I'm like, well, I got to hear this because the last video I saw him post was something about his toes being amputated and he was showing them off, which is awful. Like no one wants to see that. Um, but the video crew is definitely rolling there just like it is today where he has a Lamborghini that players are posing with. Yeah, they, they pose with uh, – he had that line about, you know, it's going to be Louie uh, with his yeah. bags. His bags are yeah, packed and it's always going to be Louie. Um, yes, they players pose leaning on a Lamborghini with <laughs> Louis Vuitton luggage uh, at Colorado. But everywhere I'm, I'm looking and scrolling through right now at Tennessee, they've got like an orange throne. Yeah. They sit on like a huge oversized chair. I mean, everyone has got something. Uh, I noticed at Vanderbilt they have just a just a very stripped down normal folding chair behind a table, <laughs> but it's cool because it's almost like a horror movie the way they shoot it with the lights flickering. That's <laughs> good. Not me off no, my thought here laughing. Let's just start with this. But it's, we're going from Lamborghini to you know at Vanderbilt they've got a folding chair. Like, think I'll about sh- that. I'll show you the video, but it is a folding. But it's done in a way that like it flashes. <laughs> And you don't know who's going to be sitting in the chair. And then it'll flash to the player putting the hat on and sitting in the chair. Uh, it was a really bad example by me. But it, it's uh, that's their you're, promise. You're, you're, but it's, a, I mean, I'll sh- it's like a card table and a chair. And then they sit in the chair. This was not mean, uh, meant know, to demean Vandy. It just but it was across. like a, the it, video is cool. It's kind of stripped down. It comes across as... Way, way too stripped down, way too old school uh, for uh, a university that's trying to at least get behind the football program a bit with the renovations and things to the facilities and and, and a, a program that won a couple games on the back end uh, against Florida and against uh, Kentucky. So, yeah, props to Clark Lee. Yeah. We're not trying to uh, stick the knife in and twist it, but man. No, they, no, no, no. The, uh, the Lamborghini and... And the, the throne, then saying folding chair made me laugh. It's a different vibe. Well, we do need to go through, maybe we'll ask uh, Shannon Terry when he comes to the studio the stuff that he's heard, but go through the best props that are out there. Uh, Tennessee also had, if you remember, it was like a Mercedes SUV that Josh Heupel posed with. Yes, And last Nico year. Yamaleava was in the car with him. Or, uh, yeah, it was something that was really high-priced. Um, it, it's, it's nuts. Nothing will ever beat, though, Hutton, the... Florida parent. Remember the dad who oh, went full yeah. uniform with the son? Yes, yes. <laughs> I remember he's wearing number 21. <laughs> that is just a legendary photo uh, of that guy. That, that'll, that'll live on forever. So Graham Mertz is now the Florida quarterback, right? Or he's at least one of the options. But he chose, based on reports that we saw, what, two weeks ago, he ends up going to Gainesville after the reports were he was going to Lexington. But then the Wildcats end up with Leary, yeah, they upgraded. They up, yeah, they upgrade with Leary, and they up. They, I don't know if they upgrade, but they get a really good replacement at running back as well. I don't know that either one of them are uh, program changers. You know, for for anyone, I think Devin Leary's the better of the two, and it, it, that's going to be nice for Kentucky to go from Levis to him. But Graham Mertz, I, I feel like, is probably just kind of a depth option. Honestly, if Florida, he may start. 
I don't think but you're he bringing him in though. other places though. That's what's weird. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you're bringing him in to say this is your show. You're definitely yeah. going to be the star. But they've got Rashada there that's coming in, and I don't know how. I don't you think get he's going to start right. I'd, I'd be surprised if they go with a true freshman right out of the gates. But look, I I think it's going to be Mertz. But I say this because it, it may be Miller, you know, who started the yeah, the bowl but, game. Yeah. I I don't know that Mertz is a, a talent of the level of a guy you just say, this is your team. Devin Leary is the starter at Kentucky. Their backup was not good when he had to play this year for Will Levis. But if Mertz goes to and it's, Lexington, it's, we would say that too, right? Well, it's two things for Kentucky. Liam Cohen coming back to, to be offensive coordinator. This is his hand-picked guy in Devin Leary. Yep. So he's, he's going to be the starter. I don't think Mertz, based on the last two years, especially at Wisconsin – is a talent to the level that if, when you go to Florida, you just say, yeah, this guy's definitely going to be the starting quarterback. I, if I had to name a favorite right now to be the starter, it's him at Florida. Yeah. I just don't know that it's a guarantee. And if it doesn't work out, you got you got depth. And JT Daniels is on the move again. Fourth fourth time to JT Rice. Daniels really had to, had to find that sweet spot, Hutton. Started at USC, went to Georgia, was the starter at Georgia, before getting replaced by Stetson Bennett, of course, the rest is history with the mailman, Stetson Bennett, goes to West Virginia, was the starter yep. at West Virginia. Not a great season for the Mountaineers. And now he's a Rice Al. And four schools in four years. And he's with some coaches that recruited him initially back in high school. So he ends up at Rice. But man, that's if we were trying to project where he'd be, this is the year we'd say he'd be in the NFL, not transferring to Rice. I'll kick through 60 By the way, this is with, a great example, Hutton, of not every five-star is created yeah, no, you're equally. Because right. this is a five-star quarterback coming out of high school, and not everyone is not, – not all of them work out, even quarterbacks. But, I mean, he's still been a starter. He's not a complete right, yeah. bust. Everywhere, but yeah. he's not a five-star. No. Oh, he's Rice's five-star now. Yeah, he's going to go down the Rice record books. Our five-star is Bobby Carpenter. He joins us by phone. Bobby, what was uh, National Signing Day like for you? Um, uh, first of all, guys, I'd like to apologize. I mean, my national signing day was 20 years ago. And for some reason that time elapsed, I, I can't figure out how to get my, my, uh, camera on for my phone on my zoom. I feel like I'm about a thousand years old it's all good. I'm trying to figure this out. Yeah. It's, it's something. I mean, you guys, they, they scan, I asked, um, with some of the recruiting coordinators, I know, you know how, uh, how did the guys, they still send faxes. He goes, listen, the last fax we got was like four or five years ago. I think that was the only reason for people to have fax machines is to be able to scan in or send in national letters of intent. Um, but for me, I mean, I committed to Ohio State about a week before and, you know, National Sign Day, it's like you go there and you send something in in the morning. Like we'd set, sign it and you would literally fax it in. And then uh, that night, you know, you go there and you have like a little banquet and everything and I'd already announced, and I asked my dad, where am I supposed to sign? I already signed it. I don't know. Just sign a blank piece of paper. Nobody knows what the heck's on that thing anyway. So uh, that's kind of how it went for me. So when you hear the reports and and Pat Narduzzi claiming that Drake May was offered $5 million by two different SEC programs to leave North Carolina, and they turned it down, and I go back to that that was the wrong mark because of his family history with North Carolina, but regardless, if this is going on, Bobby – this can't be good for college football, can it? 
you know, I don't think it is. And I think honestly, it's, it's probably true to tell you the truth. I agree. Um, yeah. They, uh, I believe that you look around college. Well, I won't put any names on it, but just you can look and say, hey, there's a couple of teams that seem to have everything coming back or a lot of pieces next year. And you throw an NFL quarterback into the mix there. All of a sudden, those teams are going to be much, much better. And I don't think it's good. Like I'm all about players getting value. And that's what it's not like a hater thing. Like guys, America, I'm a capitalist. You should be able to get what you're worth. But at some point in time, you have to make commitments and you have to determine your worth based upon your value at the present time. And you're going to do that probably and have some security while giving up your future earning potential. It's not like, hey, I'm just a free agent every day. You guys sign contracts. Guys in the NFL sign contracts. You can't just be like, hey, you know what? I want to get paid more now. I had a great year. And also just the tampering. I mean, he was never in the portal. And so, you know, the fact that there's people reaching out, that's why I could understand Mac Brown's frustration. Like, this guy's not actively pursuing anyone. People are reaching out to him. It's just, it's kind of a crappy situation right there. And they've got to figure out a way that they can get this resolved. And a lot of it's probably going to come down to the coaches and, you know, the different administrators trying to actually agree, like, you know what, we've got to set some sort of guidelines and rules. Hey, we, we like the portal. We like NIL. We like this and that. But at some point in time, there has to be some sort of self-regulation here. And that's the only way that this is going to get better. And if you're looking at you know trends on National Signing Day today, I, I don't think every decision comes down to money and money alone or, or any of that, or that it's all about the money. But I do suspect, Bobby, that when there's late movers and guys that are somehow getting kids to flip in the last second, that that's mainly about money. And the biggest winner today is Oregon. And Dan Lanning, someone who learned at Georgia uh, un- under Kirby Smart, and they had a huge day on National Signing Day. So what do you think about that now with Oregon? We know about the Nike connection and everything else, but now suddenly doing very, very well in recruiting. Yeah, you look at that. um, You know, you look at Iowa, had a tackle that was committed from Iowa, five-star guy flips to Bama like a day or two before. And I I don't know, man. Like I'm all for guys making as much as they can. I'll say that all day. Talent is always going to trump all. Any coach would, would rather have great players and be an average coach than be a great coach with average players because it's just easier to win when guys go out there and make plays. It's all about the Jimmys and Joes. And so, yeah, in college football, Dan Lanning, he's, he's doing a great job. Miami, you know, they're they're compensating guys well. I mean, they're getting guys down there. And I don't think it's a bad thing to be paying guys. And not everybody's a highest bidder guy. But, you know, I do know that I've heard stories you know, across the college football landscape that guys were committed to a school today. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're going to have a meeting and we got to set up a Zoom call with you know the agent slash financial advisor to try to you know retrade the deal and, and renegotiate it at the last minute. I I don't know. Like I don't see that being good for college football, and I don't see that really ultimately being good for the players in the long run. Ten days away from the college football playoff kicking off, as we get closer to the game against Georgia for your Buckeyes, are you more confident or less confident than when the matchup was announced? Huh. Gosh. Uh, Days I'm more confident. There's days I'm less confident. It just depends. I get a chance to watch some practice, and you know, I see the guys working, and like they have they have enough talent to play with and beat Georgia. It's going to come down to execution. Like you, you can't beat a team of that caliber unless you play well. And you know they can't play like they did on you know their worst ten defensive plays against Michigan. Um, but I'm hoping. I, I believe that this is going to be a good game. Uh, I feel like Kirby Smart is just – his goal is to win the game. 
And that doesn't mean he's going to need to go out there and score 40. Maybe it does, just depending on how the flow of the game goes. But I feel like this game should be close, and it'll ultimately come down to making plays in the fourth quarter. So we'll see You know, if uh, that guy right there, C.J. Stroud, he keeps getting these legacy questions. You know, what's your legacy? And it's like I told him, man, like, dude, your legacy is, is what people write about you when you're done. You're not done yet. So you get a chance to do whatever it is you want to do in this game and leave a, an impact and uh, of whatever it is that you want to put out there on the field. And honestly, legacies are usually defined by winning. And so if you're able to go win this game and win in, in whatever manner, that's going to speak volumes to you and, and how people ultimately remember you. We'll talk about some bigger bowl games, but I want to talk about one that's already happened. I'll uh, start by readily admitting I was wrong. I was really looking forward to watching Louisville and Cincinnati play in the Fenway Bowl because of yeah. all the drama around the coaching situation uh, with Satterfield going from Louisville to Cincinnati and all of that. And I watched the game, and that was terrible. And I think, Bobby, the very cold-weather game in Boston, backup quarterbacks playing – this, unfortunately, is what you get at times in bowl season. I, I thought really, you know, Louisville ends up winning pretty easily, but I thought two teams that did not look very motivated to be playing in a bowl game. Oh, and the thing is, like, you're right on that. Neither team really seemed like they honestly wanted to be there. Um, in Cincinnati, they were beaten up. They'd lost, obviously, a lot of some of their staff was gone. You're on your backup quarterback. They couldn't really move the football. That was the biggest thing, like offensively. Now, they looked, you know, fairly inept for most of the game, and that that's going to be tough to be able to go out there and win. Uh, but then you know, you go watch some other bowls. The Bahamas Bowl was entertaining. Watch Eastern Michigan and uh, San Jose State. That game was back and forth last night. The uh, uh, Toledo game last night was also back and forth. I mean, there there have been some good games, and you know, everyone focuses on like the hot, top end stuff. But there's some of these guys in. You know, the group of five, I mean, they want to be out there. This is a big deal for them, and they're excited to go play in it. And frankly, like, there's nothing else. What else am I going to watch on, you know, Tuesday night? Watch a Hallmark movie, for heaven's sake? I'm going to put these bowl games on, and I'm going to watch them. And, like, there are dudes out there that are juiced to be there. The guys who didn't want to play, you know, a lot of them maybe didn't show up. And <laughs> watching that Florida-Oregon State game, like, yeah, that goes about how it probably seemed like the level of interest that both of these teams had based upon what we thought they would be and their expectations at the beginning of the year to where they ultimately ended up. So, you know, it's going to come down to motivation and guys wanting to play. You wish you had the full complement of players, the full complement of coaches. I think those days are long gone. I mean, if you want to try betting on these games, God bless you, because it's really hard unless you have inside info of how teams are looking in practice and how much they want to be there and who's going to be on the sideline as players and coaches. But, you know, it's, it's, it's still entertainment to me. It's, maybe it's nostalgic because it's what I grew up with. Uh, but I love watching you know, bowl games of all shapes and sizes. And you know what? If it ends up being a crap game, then it ends up being a crap game. But I'm not willing to admit that until uh, I at least see the kickoff. Bobby Carpenter with us. Have you been in a locker room where players went into business for themselves like we saw, or at least they admitted to it, with the Patriots and the finish against the Raiders? Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers with the, the laterals that result in the finish that we saw with the Raiders winning. Games tied 24-all. Post game, both guys said that that wasn't the call. It was just a simple draw play. What would the what would the locker room police? What would that jury be like behind the scenes if guys did that? Well, I mean, part of it, you know, there's a couple different elements of it. Um, you know, first of all, you've got to look at it and say that these guys, just like 
premeditated. I, I honestly don't think that Stevens anticipated pitching that ball until ultimately he realized, like, hey, I just ripped off 30 or 40 yards. And I think panic set in. You, you kind of forget what the heck's going on. You pitch it, and then Jacoby Myers. These guys are smart players. Like, the New England Patriots don't bring in dumb guys. And then he loses his mind. Mac Jones has the worst attempt at a tackle that you'll ever see in the history of football. And, you know, guys are going to be upset about that, but there's enough blame to go around. But I don't think any of that was ultimately premeditated. Guys will get upset when they're like, hey, a play call came in and you chose to go rogue. And I've played with dudes. It's like, hey, you're supposed to be doing X and you're doing Y because you think you can make a play. And in doing that, it hangs out, you know, with the rest of your defenders, the rest of the guys on offense, whatever it might be. And so that guys do not take kindly to that. You know, everybody works really hard. You want to win games. You talk about getting paid and all that stuff's great. But you ultimately, like, your, your joy comes in the victory after the game. And when you get that close and overtime is imminent, and Bill Belichick, I'm telling you guys, oh, he used to show us clips of teams around the league every Monday about how teams would lose games. I'm like, don't be like this guy. This is stupid. This is that. And as I'm watching, that's all I'm thinking is that Monday morning film session is going to be atrocious because Bill, I mean, the game is tied. You talk about situational football and the Patriots almost always execute those situations. And they look like J.R. Smith dribbling the ball away from the basket <laughs> in game one of the NBA finals when it's tied instead of just throwing it up like, dude, shoot the ball. This, hey, it's tied. Get to overtime. You'll be fine. And then all of a sudden, like, it, it's just a, it's a mind melt. And I think yes. that's what happened. Dude's just, they panicked and they forgot what was going on. And you see it happen all the time in sports. Just very rarely does it happen to a team as disciplined as the New England Patriots. So as of right now, there's no Caleb Williams in the transfer portal in terms of quarterback star power. But there is Devin Leary, who many think could be an NFL quarterback, leaving NC State, signing with Kentucky. Uh, what do you think about that move for Devin Leary and, and what Mark Stoops is doing at a time where, Bobby, they're losing some of their recruits out of high school and their high school class doesn't look great, but yet they're ranked number one in the SEC in transfer portal recruiting where they're going to get guys. And so that's it's a slippery slope because Mark Stoops has built that thing the right way, dra- bringing in guys from high school, developing them. They've got a toughness. They've got a ruggedness. You know, their guys continue to play hard. I mean, you know, they're battling against Georgia at the end of the season, even after losing a couple t- couple tough games. And you, know, you bring in Will Levis, and you're like, all right, you know, here's your transfer quarterback. And then the problem is once you kind of do that, I feel like you're almost kind of falling in love with that situation because the guy's more of a ready-made player. And believe me, Leary is a good quarterback. I mean, I think he did some really great things this year at NC State. But in doing that, like, who are you recruiting out of high school now? Because if I go there as a freshman, I'm a you know fairly highly touted guy. Is there ever any belief? that you're going to see me through fruition of my development or are you just going to grab another guy out of the portal? And that's what kind of breaks down the constructs of the, of the culture when you continue to go to guys in the portal for different positions all the time. And I get it. And I especially understand that quarterback, but I just don't know if it's sustainable long-term. So, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it because others have written it. Uh, you know, it's probably Alabama and Georgia are the two SEC programs that went after Drake May. It makes the most sense. They're losing their veteran quarterback, $5 million, great roster around it. Then I see Alabama, and this is the on-three sports consensus rankings for team rankings and recruiting, and they take all the different services and put it together. Alabama's number one in the country. Bobby, they have six five-star players. 
Second place is three, and that is Miami, Texas, Oregon, all have three, and USC has three five-star. Alabama doubles that with six. For all the talk about Nick Saban and has he slipped a little bit, I mean, the recruiting machine continues rolling right along. It really is incredible. Yeah, I mean, that's the people this offseason, if I had to listen to Paul Feinbaum talk about the, the death of the Alabama program, and this was some sort of watershed moment when they had lost and they were out of it, and what is Nick Saban doing? They lost a couple of games that were close by a few possessions, possession or two here there. Now, granted, they played some other games that were close, and their roster maybe didn't look quite as good. And believe me, they have got a number of guys in the portal who are leaving as well. And so they have – there's some inherent issues there. But, I mean, I didn't see any erosion of Nick Saban's faculties and his ability to run a college football program and to coach a college football game. So with all of that being said, he's recruiting at a high level. They're going to continue to do that. Now the thing is, when you start bringing in portal guys, it's, hey, if I'm a five-star, you bring in a portal guy, and I'm a, I'm a freshman, and, yeah, that guy might be better than me now, but maybe I have more potential. Like That's where you get that rub, and you see some of these guys leaving. So – it's hard to build a culture and have a consistent roster when you're bringing in guys who are there for a year or two years, and then that turnover becomes much more rapid. Is it bad of me to think that the, that, that it wasn't Georgia or Bama and that it was A&M, and that's why he turned down the offer? <laughs> I mean, well, the, everybody's saying those. two, so it's not just one. He's saying two different programs offered four or five million. So I, I would buy A&M as one of them, but I definitely think one is Alabama or Georgia. I would say because you look naturally at Alabama and Georgia, they're both losing their quarterbacks. And one, it was at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, won one one last year, and they're going to have talent around them, and they have a desire to be great. And you, the thing is, you look at A&M, I mean, I don't know. They, they brought in, I feel like last year they had a, like four quarterbacks to choose from, and none of them were good options. And I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they were one of them, and maybe one of the other school was either an either-or, Alabama or Georgia, but um, – I would have to imagine that one of those two schools was involved. But for my money, I, mean, I don't know how much you could offer me if I was a quarterback with one year left to go to A&M because it feels like that might be a little bit of fool's gold if I think I'm going to be the number one pick in the draft, $5 million bucks or whatever it is. That ain't touching $30 million. And if I go there and get beat up and struggle and drop from one to 15, that's a heck of a lot more than that $5 million I just lost. Bob, Bobby, as an old school traditionalist guy like yourself, you're going to love this tweet. Right here, and I say that sarcastically. Uh, we're going to have Shannon Terry, who's the founder and CEO of On3 Sports, in studio with us in a little bit. But On3 Sports mm-hmm. does an NIL valuation for every recruit in America in every signing yep. class. This is from Front Office Sports. Arch Manning just officially signed with Texas. Arch Manning has an annual NIL valuation of $3.5 million per year. That puts Texas's entire class as an average of $290,000 per year, giving them the highest average NIL valuation of a recruiting class. That is a 2022 statistic, if I've ever heard one. I never thought I'd be reading something like that live on a talk show about college football. But here we are in 2022, Bobby. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, number one, they have that, but you got to have people to pay it. You're only really worth they can put the value on it, but you yep. have to have people that are willing to pony up those dollars. And that if you have a big class, that's a lot of dollars that you got to come up with um, to be able to get that done. And and here's the thing, I'm not saying that Archman isn't going to take any money, but you know, I look at I went to go buy uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. jersey for my son 
for Christmas, get that thing autographed. And I couldn't find one. I asked the guy in the gift shop, I go, um, where, where's Marvel? They sold out. I mean, you have to order it. He's like, no, he doesn't, he didn't do it. He didn't sign to have an NIL deal. And I asked one of the guys over at Ohio State, like, what, did he not do any of them? He goes, no. You know, his dad was like, hey, you need money? Come talk to me. Um, you're here to focus on football. We're not going to worry about that stuff. Um, maybe at some point they do. He's got another year left. Uh, but I look at Arch Manning, I'm not saying that, you know, that isn't real money. But I feel like his family sees the long game a lot more. And they have the, and also they have the financial ability to kind of look at it and maybe see the long game more than other people. But your goal is to be ultimately the best player when you get to the NFL and when you leave college. And NIL can be a part of that, but you don't necessarily ever want it to be a detriment. And that's, that is the warning to all young guys out there who are signing today and making decisions, whether or not, you know, there's a huge monetary component in it or not in that decision-making process. Your goal should be ultimately to be the best player you can become and mature into a like highly productive young man who's capable of dealing with adverse situations when you leave that institution, because that's ultimately what you're supposed to be doing. All the financial success will come as fruits of those actions. And I'm not saying don't get involved in NIL, but if that's what you're chasing, man, you may catch it, but that may be all you catch. Bobby Carpenter has been with us. Uh, Bobby, on the way out, final minute or so, uh, we led the show with the passing of Franco Harris, who passed away at 72. What comes to mind when you think of the Steelers legend and Pro Football Hall of Famer? You know, I mean, the immaculate reception everybody thinks about. It's almost the 50 year anniversary of that. My dad played a long time for the, well, four or five years for the Oilers. And so they battled back and forth with the Steelers, you know, lost to them, you know, in the two AFC championship games and, um, you know, just the dominant team of the 70s and one of the in 80, early 80s, one of the best dynasties you were going to have. And Franco Harris, you know, he was the engine behind that. We talk about Stallworth, we can talk about Swan, you know, but really, you think about Pittsburgh, you think about defense, you think about running the football. And he's a Penn State grad. You know, he gets drafted locally there. Uh, tough guy in great shape. And then also, like, I mean, I looked at him. He's, you know, 70-some years old, 72, whatever it is. Like, I mean, my dad, 67, 68. Like, it's a, it's a stark reminder of, you know, despite the fact that we look at these players as if they might be immortal and, you know, they might almost be deified. Like they're human beings, and they're they're fallible. And at some point in time, your number will be called. Bobby, always great to catch up with you, man. Merry Christmas, and we will uh, we'll certainly do this again next week. We'll be previewing all things college football playoff. Absolutely, gentlemen. Merry Christmas, and uh, enjoy it down there in Tennessee. Yeah, we will. We'll stay warm Merry here. Merry Christmas, you do Bobby. The same there in Ohio. There's uh, Bobby Carpenter. Always great to uh, catch up with him. And he got his video working midway through that, by the yeah, way. Was, Not complaining about speaking that. Speaking of a Christmas miracle, yeah, that video popping on was a miracle for us. When we come back, we complain. We air our top grievance of the week. Primary complaint is next on OutKick 360. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming up in about 30 minutes, Shannon Terry, the founder and CEO, the owner of the On3 Sports. 
He'll be with us uh, in studio. We'll talk all things signing day and where we're headed. Chad put out the numbers uh, just a few minutes ago on... We'll find out where it's going to be. Think about that, too. Uh, We've got headlines coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But first, it's time for Primary Complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Primary Complaint on Outkick 360. My primary complaint this week, look, it's going to be cold, really cold. Cleveland, Kansas City, Chicago, Nashville. Nashville's going to be 11 degrees, we're told, on, on, on Saturday. I nearly said Sunday. Titans game day. 11 degrees. But the feels-like temperature is going to be 5. Now, there's not that big of a difference. What's cold is cold. What's hot is hot. But I only need one temperature. If it feels like 5 degrees, I want that to be the weather forecast. Tell me it's 5 degrees. That's my primary complaint. My primary complaint is something that I'm going to term a gross lack of communication. And this is infecting all of society in 2022. Most notably, Jason's Deli, (laughs) which is a chain. And it's got a great salad bar. And I love the food there. And I was there with the family last night after the show. I don't go there enough, though, to know the entire protocol. And everyone that works behind the register at these places, apparently they're mute. And they don't want to speak. So they just take your money, and then you're left up to the wild. I don't know where to go next. There's trays over here behind the register. Do I go back there and get it? They're not handing me plates for the salad bar. I'm left to sit there and wait. I, I'm, I'm, staring, I'm staring at other tables to see if they know what to do. They don't. Uh, people are getting salad. I don't know where they got the plates. I finally had to go ask the lady that was cooking the food if I could get my salad. Brother said, your food will be up soon. I said, well, I ordered food that's being made, but can I get a salad? Yes, you can get a salad. Can we put plates out here when you get the salad? <laughs> Do I need to give you a receipt? What does this number that you gave me mean if you're just going to call the number and I'm going to walk up and get it? These are questions you should be telling me before I have to ask the question. Speak! Speak! There is no more customer service. That is my primary complaint. People don't want to speak to each other. Or work. That's the other thing. I was in Virginia yesterday. I was with someone that wanted bell service for luggage. Sir, we haven't we have had that in four years oh. at the Westin. Headlines next. It includes a player who's binged again. Now, 36-year-old. <laughs> 